0: Today is June 16th, 2021. In our first story, Joe Biden is getting absolutely humiliated in his overseas trip with Vladimir Putin making comments about the U.S. administration and Joe Biden seemingly holding note cards as he struggles in his meeting with Vladimir Putin. Now, I'm not happy about it. I don't want Putin to humiliate a U.S. president. It's just reality. In our next story. The Biden administration is encouraging people to snitch on their families to weed out what he calls domestic terrorism. But this just means the war on terror is coming home and it's going to target political dissidents. In our next story, schools are telling children they're indoctrinating them to snitch on their neighbors over bias violations. Critical race theories infecting our schools and it's getting creepy. If you like this show, please leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like the Tim Pool Daily Show, please share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the best way for a podcast to grow. Now, let's get into that first story. Joe Biden is getting humiliated by Vladimir Putin. The president of the United States cannot stand up to the president of Russia. It's making the entire country look bad. And Joe Biden just looks baffled, bewildered and unable to handle this job. And that's really, really bad for a variety of reasons. Right now, the left is coming out saying Republicans, conservatives, people on the right. They want Joe Biden to lose to Vladimir Putin. They are traitors. Yeah, tweets across the board saying something like that. But it's not true. Nobody, nobody in America wants Putin to do better than Joe Biden. Okay, maybe some people, sure. But most people, conservatives, Republicans or otherwise, no, it's just a reality that Joe Biden is experiencing major cognitive decline and is unable to actually handle these tense circumstances. What do we see in one story? Biden appears to have a cheat sheet with him. That's right. He brought brought flashcards with him in his meeting with Putin because he couldn't handle it on his own. In one instance at the G7, he's wandering around, seemingly confused, and everyone busts out laughing at him. In another instance, he tries to correct Boris Johnson about introducing the president of South Africa when Boris already did it. And then everyone once again laughs at the man. This is not what America needs to be showing right now. We need to show strength, unfortunately for us, and how our system works. Joe Biden is president and this won't bode well for us. It's easy to make fun of an old man. I know. And I'm not all about just mocking. I don't like making fun of an old guy who's clearly not with it. It's sad. It's depressing. And it scares me. Now, for any other regular old person, I'm not going to try to be mean to an old person, but it is easy to point out he's getting lost and he doesn't know what's going on. But let's talk about serious news. As Joe Biden is going to be meeting with Vladimir Putin, Russia launches the largest war games in the Pacific since the Cold War just west of Hawaii, forcing the U.S. to scramble the Air Force. China sends a bunch of planes to circle around Taiwan at a time when war may be on the horizon. The last thing we need is a feeble, senile old man struggling to speak to one of America's adversaries. I don't think Russia is the most serious or most threatening of adversaries, but maybe number two behind China. China sees this. They know the weakness of Joe Biden, and so does Russia. The left tried to come out and claim that that Donald Trump was a Russian asset who is poning up the dictators and giving them whatever they want. And it's Joe Biden who, who backs off and allows Russia to build the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That's the Gazprom pipeline. It's almost like the U.S. is admitting they've lost the conflict in the Middle East. They're giving up. Russia is going to control the the, the price of energy, of of natural gas in Europe. Joe Biden is seemingly showing the world that the U.S. is basically done. We can't defend our allies in uh, in, in Southeast Asia. We can't defend our allies in Europe. And Joe Biden, his flashcards, what do they say? It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. Don't blame me. It's Trump's fault. This is what happens when politics is based on we hate the one guy. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Joe Biden is the end all be all worst president we've ever had or that everything's his fault. Certainly, Trump was a step off of the, the normal beaten path when it comes to presidency to it, to the, to the presidency. And his behavior was unbecoming in many instances of, of a president. But he was strong and he freaked people out. I can complain about his behavior. Many people do. But at the very least, he wasn't just giving up and giving in. Now, where it gets worse is that at the same time, we have the internal conflict, the, the Biden's administration targeting patriots and militia groups. I'm using patriot facetiously. That's kind of how they describe it. Going after, it, it's a war on terror being brought home. I think these things, these, these signs, these, these actions are indicative of a faltering United States. And that means China could circle Taiwan, invade, and we'll do nothing to stop it not that we should or I don't know but there's nothing we can do. We can't defend our allies in the south in Southeast Asia. China will expand. Russia is already expanding and Biden can't do anything. Outside of these these circumstances, our own journalists were blocked by Russian security. We're 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 being humiliated as a country. And no, I don't want it to happen, but this is the reality. Maybe come 2024 something will change. Trump will win again. I don't know, but let's read the news. And you know what? I'm going to start with Vladimir Putin just insulting and humiliating Joe Biden. And then we're going to get to the serious part, the war part. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members only content from, from the TimCast IRL podcast, but also your membership. When you sign up and you are giving money to this organization, you are helping us grow. We have recently added a newsroom. We are now putting out articles. We are going to be hiring many more journalists in the next couple of weeks and we are going to have a full newsroom section. The launch of the, the relaunch of the website with the new newsroom is going to be in just about a couple of weeks, maybe 2 weeks and we are pushing as hard as we can. You're not just buying access to a members only section, you are funding real reporting. And so I'm greatly appreciative of this. So I will say this. If you think we do a good job here at timcast.com, then please consider liking this video, subscribing to this channel, but more importantly, sharing the URL right now on as many platforms as you can. If you think we're all right, but we deserve better than CNN's, we deserve more ratings than CNN, share this video right now and we'll show people. Of course, I'll tell you this. We have this story, Biden's cheat sheet. I'm sure the left, the Democrats, they don't care to hear it. They don't care to hear what's really going on. I have been critical of Donald Trump less so than the Democrats, of course, but I think they're insane. It's fine if you say Donald Trump was bombastic and many of his meetings with foreign leaders worried people. I can accept that. But the dude was a loose cannon. At the very least, people were like, he's unpredictable. He's he's on time. That was one of the comments. He's unpredictable, a bit sporadic. But at the very least, you can you, you understand him. Joe Biden's just not even there. What was it? One report from Jack Posobiec. Trudeau was overheard saying he thinks Kamala Harris will be president before the end of 2022. It's worrying. Here's the story from the New York Post. Biden appears to have a cheat sheet at summit meeting with Putin. They say Biden seemed to be hiding notes from Putin, a former KGB agent, as they sat on opposite sides of a small table inside the historic villa LaGrange in Geneva. As journalists recorded the scene, Biden peered at his paper before tucking it into his inside pocket of his suit jacket. Biden, 78, sat cross legged in his chair while the 68 year old Putin, who is shorter and thick around the middle, sat slumped with his feet planted wide and his hands on his thighs. The scene unfolded as the two world leaders barely made eye contact during introductory remarks that were interrupted by a shoving match between American reporters and Russian security personnel the chaos largely drowned out Biden's comments, which included calling the US and Russia two great powers. Biden also nodded after a reporter asked if he trusted Putin, which the White House communications director Kate Bedingfield quickly walked back by tweeting that the president was very clearly not responding to any one question, but nodding an acknowledgement to the press generally. What? Oh, man. I can't do it. This is insane. Every time Biden says something insane, what do they do? They come out and they're like, "No, actually, we yeah, Biden didn't mean it." Amazing. He was just nodding to the to the press. It's just randomly incredible. He said just two days ago in his presser, "Verify then trust." At one point, Biden also appeared confused about whether he would be fielding questions, asking Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, "I'm not sure how this will work one at a time." It was unclear. What Biden's notes said, but he's been photographed in the past holding a chart with the names and faces of reporters, apparently marked with numbers showing in which order he planned to call on them during his first news conference in March. During that White House event, Biden also had a printed card that said infrastructure, followed by a list of bullet points and notes on topics, including China, bridges and roads. Despite the prepared talking points, Biden mistakenly said the US ranked 85th globally in the quality of its infrastructure before correcting himself to say 13th. These are important in in negotiations. Now, people might come out and say, Tim, Joe Biden's just a figurehead. There are other people in government who are going to be handling this stuff for him and dealing with Putin. When Joe Biden is sitting in front of the entire world and says the wrong country three times, which he did, that has an impact. Now you're going to have people in Libya hearing Biden say, we got to get Russia help with Libya. And people in Libya are like, oh, okay," And that has an impact. Could you imagine if he actually negotiates on behalf of, uh, of some arrangement with Libya when he means Syria. And then Russia's like, you got it, buddy. It's insane. We can't have this. I, I, don't, I don't know what you do. Do we invoke the 25th, remove Joe Biden? Then what? We get Kamala Harris? Wouldn't be surprised. That's what Trudeau was saying. I give you now the humiliation of us and Joe Biden. Tim Young, Summary of the interaction between ABC journalists and Putin. ABC, why do you kill and imprison your political opponents? Putin, America did it on one six. Next question. OK, it's a summary clarification if I if I got it wrong or earlier on in the segment. It's, a, it's he's, he's making a, a point. Putin was asked about all of these things with his opposition, and he just points to what the U.S. is doing. Matt Vizier, he talked about what his mom said. President Putin says recounting his meeting with President Biden. Amazing. This is what we get when President Biden with a President Biden, a man who clearly should not be president. But you know what? It's like that Atlantic article said during the 2020 election. They said, Joe, stay alive, Joe Biden. All we need is your corporeal form. Those people were willing to watch the United States burn to the ground because they hated Donald Trump. And here's a message to my Democrat friends, all the people I know from back in Chicago. You had no business. Posting about things for which you have no idea what's going on. You had nothing to to do with politics. You never read an article in your life. You followed nothing. And then you came out and yelled, well, the TV said Trump's bad. So only vote for the senile guy. I'm not literally saying he's senile. Okay, I'm just being a bit hyperbolic. But that's what happened. I've been following politics literally my whole life. I'm not an I'm not going to pretend to be an expert foreign policy master or anything like that, but I've been I've been following the news. I've been reading so much about this. There's a lot I don't know, but I certainly know more than the people who come on and lecture me about foreign policy when it comes to Trump. I've actually been to some of these countries. I've experienced the civil unrest, and I can assure you I would rather have a Donald Trump than a Joe Biden. Trump was, I'll put it mildly, far from perfect, like very far Trump supporters thought he was perfect. I certainly did not. I think some of his behavior was a bit, but at the very least strength, you know what, you know, you know what it was about Trump? The dude would come out with these in these meetings and be like, no, no, excuse me. Ex- no. And at the very least, you knew that people were worried in dealing with him. When Vladimir Putin would have a conversation with Trump, he's kind of like, okay, this guy might change his, he's kind of off, you know, he's kind of aggressive and abrasive. So you got to be careful. Joe Biden, confused, can't even say certain words properly. Putin was laughing at him, figuratively, sitting there slumped over with his legs open like this guy is so pathetic. Look how they handle our press, our pathetic press, bending the knee, falling down, unable to push back against Russian security. Daily Mail, Russian security manhandled U.S. press and stopped them entering the Biden-Putin summit. White House aides scream at agents blocking scrum of reporters. Now, well, this is what you get. Biden and Putin summit begins in chaos as members of the press scrambled to get inside the Swiss villa. Russian and Swiss security guards manhandled and shoved reporters, then blocked them from entering. Some American reporters were left outside while Biden and Putin sat down for the first photo op. Inside, photographers blocked cameras and journalists shouted questions to Biden and Putin. It meant members of the media could barely hear what was said as Putin's translator struggled to answer. And there you go. Vladimir Putin is walking all over us. You know, they said that uh, uh, Donald Trump was the agent of Russia, that he was poning up to Russia. Dude, it's just so absurd what we're seeing right now. From the BBC, Nord Stream 2, Biden waves U.S. sanctions on Russian pipeline. This is one of the greatest gifts to Russia in the past 100 years. Okay, maybe that's a little hyperbolic. But Joe Biden's absolutely caving. The BBC report on May 20th. The Biden administration has waived sanctions on a company building a controversial gas pipeline between Russia and Germany. The US also lifted sanctions on the executive, an ally of Russia's Vladimir Putin, who leads the firm behind the Nord Stream 2 project. The move came in a report on Russian sanctions delivered to Congress by the Department of State. Critics say the pipeline is a major geopolitical prize for the Kremlin. The project, which would take gas from the Russian Arctic under the Baltic Sea to Germany, is already more than 95% complete. The Department of State report notes that Nord Stream 2 AG and its chief executive, Matthias Warnig, a former East German intelligence officer, engaged in sanctionable activity. But it concludes that it is in the US national interest to waive these sanctions. Are you kidding me? Joe Biden shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Russia's pipeline is is okay. It's a different pipeline, it's natural gas. Keystone, I believe, actually I think Keystone was going to carry more than just crude, but mainly crude, I believe, up from Canada and down to the US. What's going on? Why is Joe Biden shutting down our energy independence and then allowing Russia to control natural gas into Europe? It's amazing, isn't it? Everything they said about Trump, by all means, I'm willing to hear your criticisms of Donald Trump always. because I'm not playing stupid games. My personal opinion and maybe my bias, Trump was way better. And that's really what it's about. The left will come out and say, you didn't complain about Trump when he did this, that or otherwise. And I'm like, I don't think what Trump did was as alarming as what we're seeing happen with Biden. Trump has got his issues, but still was able to display strength a bit too much of it sometimes. Joe Biden is the opposite. We are going to get walked all over. And that's when it comes to war. That's what really scares me. The Daily Mail reports, Putin pressures Biden before talks as the two presidents prepare to face each other in Geneva within hours. U.S. stealth jets launch in response to Russia's biggest naval exercise since the end of the Cold War, 300 miles off Hawaii and dozens of Chinese warplanes circle Taiwan after American carrier group arrived. Now, the first thing I saw when I saw the story was. I was I, my the first thing I thought was fear that we are entering some kind of war. I mean, we're, we're dangerously close. The city's trapped, the fourth turning, whatever you want to cite. And then I thought about it, I said, no, I don't think we're going to go to war. I think these are, I think these drills are basically a slap in the face to America, to its president and to uh, its, its military. They're basically saying we can do whatever we want and y'all can't do nothing about it because your president is a bumbling, mumbling fool. Joe Biden is meeting with Putin. They're going to be talking. And this is what they do. Putin knew what he was doing. Putin engaged this. China was close behind knowing that we're occupied. And that's when things get scary. Russia and China have heaped pressure on Joe Biden with provocative military drills in the Pacific and South China Sea ahead of the U.S. president's showdown with Vladimir Putin. In Geneva. USAF stealth fighters were scrambled to Hawaii on Sunday as Moscow launched its biggest naval exercises in the Pacific since the Cold War. While in the, in the South China Sea, an American carrier group has steamed steamed in as the Chinese warplanes tear around Taiwan. Excuse me. Biden will finally sit down with Putin on Wednesday for their first presidential summit on Lake Geneva, the choice of venue harking back to the Cold War meeting between Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev in 1985. Relations between the two sides are similarly cool at their lowest ebb in decades after Putin's outlandish cyber attack against the U.S., aggression towards Ukraine, poisoning of Alexei Navalny, and intervention in the Middle East. Now, of course, these statements from the Daily Mail, this is the Western perspective, 100 percent, that Putin absolutely did these things. I mean, he did take Crimea and Ukraine. It is very likely that he did go after Alexei Navalny, trying to poison him. It's very likely that Russia was engaged in cyber attacks against the U.S. Now, Russia, of course, denies all of these things, and the U.S. is in very little position to actually make any statements about Alexei Navalny because we're watching right now the AG go after militia groups, the white supremacists, they say. But in reality, the people on 1-6, as Putin said, came in with political demands. That's true. What should have happened? People who come in with political demands should be pushed out. The people who have committed acts of violence should get charged for their acts of violence. Many of these people who were arrested were just walking around inside and told by police it was okay. Putin's got a point right there. I don't like Vladimir Putin. I don't want him to make a point. But the U.S. is faltering. And if they can't recognize it, well, then we're in serious trouble. They say Putin arrived at Geneva Airport early this afternoon, a day after Biden, ahead of the meeting at the Villa de la Grange, a stunning chateau overlooking Lake Geneva, ripe for photo ops and small talk filled with bookcases. Trompe Loel, sealing details in a colorful rose garden. I probably pronounced that wrong. Loe, however you pronounce it. Putin is due to arrive first at the venue. So so as we know, they've already met. The bigger issue is, check this out. Chinese Air Police 500 AWACS, similar to the one that encroached on Taiwan on Tuesday, is seen above. Taiwan reported the largest ever incursion into its, into its ADIZ with 28 warplanes breaching the identification zone. I mean... It's only a matter of time. I certainly hope that China just decides to wait until someone else is in office, even if it's Kamala Harris, I guess. Don't like her either. But is is that that what the game is? Kamala Harris looks better by comparison. When Kamala was running for president, nobody wanted her. She didn't get a single delegate. Joe Biden ends up winning because people hate Trump. And now we're looking at Biden being like, he's awful. I'll take Kamala instead. That's the nightmare scenario. Unfortunately, it's true. I hate to admit it, but Kamala is much more competent than Joe Biden, even though she's particularly incompetent. We a- anyone at this point would be better than either of them. But is this is what we're going to get. Apparently so. They go on to say over the Daily Mail when they show many of these photos, look at this, this is actually amazing footage. Russia tests naval exercise. This is footage from Russia being released, showing this naval exercise, basically taunting and flaunting their military power. They say there will be another chance to glimpse the two men together in a small meeting with the only two leaders, with only the two leaders, uh, with Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Sergei Lavrov as note takers. A large meeting will have five staff members each, and Biden is set to hold a press conference after the estimated five hours of meeting. So, so this did happen. Putin described Biden with a double edged career man label, saying he spent virtually his entire adulthood in politics. Putin said the remark this week by way of contrast with former President Trump, who he met at the infamous Helsinki summit. Presenting Trump with a soccer ball and standing alongside Trump while he accepted Putin's denials of election interference in 2016. Now, let me, let me, let me point something out. I'm sure the left will come out, the Democrats, and say Putin was, was poning up to Donald Trump because Trump was, was serving him and, and working for him and blah, 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 blah. Vladimir Putin was cordial with Donald Trump because Vladimir Putin was probably worried about Donald Trump. Not so much as he would be with, say, Hillary Clinton, to be completely honest. But he knew that Trump was stern. He knew that Trump cared about America. And he knew there was opportunity, so we had to play it safe. He couldn't just push Trump around because Trump was bombastic, aggressive, sporadic. But he also knew that Trump's interests were with the American people. And that meant we don't need war in the Middle East. Now, there's opportunities for Russia, for sure. And because of that, the Democrats claimed Trump was working for Russia. Garbage nonsense. Trump just wanted, first and foremost, To make America great again, I suppose. Now, Joe Biden carries on the torch of Hillary Clinton. But Joe Biden can't even speak straight. And there you go. That was a a funny uh, uh, moment. I couldn't even speak straight. But you have Vladimir Putin, who knows that in the public eye, he can make America look weak. And he did. At the G7, Biden's gaffe at G7 summit sparks laughter from world leaders. Why? Why did this happen? Well, you know what? I can certainly say I understand how the left felt about Donald Trump in many circumstances. The only problem was that many of these circumstances were lies. Remember when Donald Trump was feeding the koi fish with Shinzo Abe of Japan and the camera zooms in and then Trump just throws all the food into the pond and everyone made fun of him? The left was like, oh no, he's he's humiliating us and embarrassing us. And then it turned out the footage was edited and Trump actually was just doing what Shinzo Abe did. He was following suit and it was no big deal. You see, that's the problem. Biden actually is embarrassing us. Trump, well, there were certain circumstances, sure, don't get me wrong. But the media was lying about Trump. It was projection. Everything they say about the Republicans and Trump, it's actually what the Democrats are doing. They say Trump is a Russian asset. Yeah, well, who just signed off on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? That was Joe Biden. Amazing. Look at this story President Biden embarrassed himself at the G7. When he tried to correct British Prime Minister Boris Johnson for not introducing the president of South Africa, even though Johnson already did, the blooper one of several Biden made amid the series of meetings prompted laughter at his expense at the start of a roundtable discussion in Cornwall, England. The awkward incident took place on Saturday, which uh, according to Sky News, which posted the the transcript online after mentioning how the visiting dignitaries had brought some pretty spectacular weather with them, Johnson introduced Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi South African President Cyril Ramaphosa, and South Korean President Moon Jae-in. At that point, Biden, seated between Johnson and Emmanuel Macron, interjected. And the president of South Africa, Biden 78 said while pointing across the table. Apparently taken aback, Johnson said, and a- and the president of South Africa, as I said early on. Oh, he did, Biden said, looking befuddled as his words trailed off. I did. I certainly did, Johnson said. Those around the table then began laughing, and Macron turned to Ramaphosa you get a mention twice, Cyril. He said, "Ah, oh, this is just humiliating stuff, isn't it? Not as humiliating as what, what uh, the story I covered a couple days ago. Watch Biden appears to get lost at G7. World leaders laugh at him as Jill Biden comes to his rescue. Man, that's creepy stuff. Joe Biden walking into this like seating area and he's like looking around all confused and it's gross. This, this, this dude got it. You got it. Come on, man. Come on, Joe. What are you doing, man? Come on. He walks in, all befuddled. People start yelling questions. He's like, huh? And then Jill runs up and grabs him. Everyone busts out laughing. I'll stress it again. Do I want Joe Biden getting humiliated? No, he's representing us. That's it, man. From the inside, the U.S. is being torn apart. Critical race theory in schools. The, the federal government announcing they're going to go after right-wing groups the flying of Black Lives Matter flags at our embassies. The U.S. government says as part of our effort to stop white supremacy, we're going to put equity in all of our institutions, this cult ideology. The U.S. is fractured.
1: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about
0: anywhere. And the world knows it. You know, maybe it's all just part of the same issue. It's all it's it's Joe Biden's weakness, the, 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 the splitting and the fracturing in the United States. It's all one problem. And these are just symptoms. The United States empire is faltering. You call it whatever you want. We're unable to maintain our 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 position around the world for a variety of reasons. At home, our economy has been in shambles. a variety of reasons. Activists are angry and demanding change, but the establishment refuses to relinquish control. And as we've seen with many revolutions, you will get a despot who says, I'm in charge and only I can make this country work. Mark my words, you will regret it when I'm gone. And if only those people just said, we will see to it, there will be a peaceful transition of power. Maybe many of these Arab Spring nations wouldn't be turning into slave states, wouldn't be in a state of civil war. Maybe if in Egypt or Libya, those who are in charge just said, I'm losing this one. Okay, people of the country who are angry, what should we do? I will I will I will gladly abdicate my power, whatever you want to call it. The establishment right now in the U.S. is doing very much what every despot does, asserting that only they, they and only they can make sure that everything works properly. They will lie, cheat, steal and burn everything to the ground to make sure they're in charge because they're despots. This country was never supposed to be that way. Joe Biden should not be president. Donald Trump was not part of the inside baseball that is D.C. politics, but they couldn't have it. They couldn't have an outsider coming in. They were angry. They were so angry. How dare you threaten our power? Only we know what's best for you. So here we are. Now, as I often say, I could be wrong. Maybe it's this right now where it all just stops, right? I have to say it. Maybe this level of escalation and humiliation, it's it's all going to change from here. Maybe the people realize that Biden isn't capable. Maybe they realize that uh, Joe Biden is not uh, the person who should be president. And then maybe everything starts to get better here in the United States. Maybe changes come to Congress and to the Biden administration. Joe Biden says, you know, maybe I'm not up to the task, maybe, or maybe they double down. Maybe it just keeps getting worse. Maybe the Democrats refuse to ever relinquish power, continue blaming Republicans accusing them of being fascists. Maybe Antifa and other extremists continue carrying out destruction in the streets for which the police will not arrest them. The police departments continue to crumble. The escalation of violence continues. I have no reason to believe things are going to lighten up. Sorry, I'm not trying to be overly pessimistic. Some people say being a doomer. I'm not trying to be doomer, I'm trying to be realistic. But that's why I say, okay, maybe, maybe, let's just say it all just stops here. Things turn around and get better. To be fair, uh, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Timcast.com, my website's doing really, really well, thanks to all of you who are members. We're bringing on new journalists, and I think we're going to have a serious impact. I think we're going to have a big impact on news. We're going to do original reporting. I am going to be sinking in as much money as possible into doing good journalism. Because I am not here to enrich myself. I am not here to cater to any shareholders, of which they're just, it's just me. I own the company. No, I'm here to take the money we make from the company to hire journalists. I don't want to buy a Ferrari. I want to buy good journalism. I want to see good reporting. I want to see impactful reporting. So there's good news there. And you know what? To be fair, I'm actually confident. So while I can look at all of this stuff and be worried about it and think that we're headed for dark times, truth be told, when it comes to the operation we, here, we have here at Timcast with the show we're doing and the people we're hiring, things are going fairly well. And that means maybe this is the point at which I and many others start to reverse what's happening. So maybe it really is that turnaround. Maybe me calling out the failures that is the Biden administration and the creepy encroachment of authoritarianism. Maybe this actually makes a difference. Why? Well, look, the big lefty vlogs that got us into this mess by lying to people, they're failing. They're shrinking. Some will survive. But the anti-establishment is doing well. Of course, the battle rages on. Censorship is a real problem. Which is one of the reasons why we had to start timcast.com. It's one of the reasons why we need you to be members. But now I'm getting more and more confident. I'm less worried about getting banned. There was a while where I was like, if I get banned, it's over. We're just out. Now I'm like, if we get banned, we have the website and traffic's pretty good and membership is great. And we haven't even launched the full version, which starts hopefully in the next two weeks. I know I said that like a week ago, but. We're going, to do, we're going to extend QA, and it's, it's, it's always better just not, not to say for sure, but I'm, I'm hoping when the next two, way, two weeks the site is done, then we go into QA testing, then we go live, and then we are going to have more and more reporters. So far, we've got one person who just joined. Articles are already popping up, Sandra Fairbanks. You know her, you love her. She's got her feistiness on Twitter. For sure, her articles are pretty straightforward. It's good news reporting. And we're going to be adding a fact checker who will work at a different building who will independently fact check all of these stories. We are going to be, we're going to have our own fact checking unit Probably a couple handful of people who will fact check our own stories. It'll make our reporting better. Then we're going to have reporters going on the ground. We're going to have a D.C. Bureau a Foreign Policy editor. We're going to be doing real news because we don't have a political agenda. Some people may. But you know what? Our fact checkers will be there to put a stop on things. And you know what we'll do? We will have some conservatives, some liberals, and some moderates. And we will create a balanced room where people can argue and debate over what's true and what isn't. And then we can write up these things about how we view these stories from these perspectives. It's not an easy solution. It's not an easy problem to solve. But we have to do something. And so I'll, put it, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Joe Biden may be humiliating us. Maybe this will be a smack in the face for many regular people when they see it. Maybe through the expansion and creation of news that we're doing, more and more people will see what's happening. So I'll say this. Let's be optimistic, I guess. I can be worried. I can make these videos, but we're doing something about it. And so are you. By watching this video, by sharing this video, by liking, by subscribing, by becoming a member at TimCast.com, it's the first step towards doing something. And it's one of the easiest things you can do. So I'm eternally grateful for everybody who's supporting the efforts we're putting into this. I'm hoping that we can maybe turn things around. I'm confident we're going to succeed 100%. I wonder what that will mean for the future of our culture and where that leads us politically. I guess we'll see. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. I think we're going to have a heck of a great show. Um, you're not going to want to miss this one if, if what I think is happening is happening. So uh, it'll be fun. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Last night, as I slumbered, I had a strange dream where federal agents were warning people that if they maintained their political opinions, they would be targeted and accused of crimes and they'd be arrested. When I wake up, I see this story actually came out the other day from Breitbart. Biden administration asks Americans to report potentially radicalized friends and family. If you see something, say something. We know all too well the dangers of snitching on your neighbors, I know somebody from Ukraine. She was telling me the story about how where she lived in this apartment. There's an old story, a common story, actually, that the neighbors were feuding during the Cold War. How do you deal with a neighbor who's arguing over your floor mat or or you're playing music or you're having friends over or whatever? You call the police and say they were disparaging the Communist Party. The next day, the apartment was empty and that individual was gone. That's where it feels like we're heading. Apparently now the FBI believes that white supremacist and militia groups, white supremacists and militia groups are the biggest threat this country faces. Now, normally I wouldn't care all that much as I'm not in a militia and I'm certainly not a white supremacist. In fact, I actually deplore white supremacists. The problem is, as you know, they've changed the definition of what white supremacist is. And now they're going to be seeking to instill equity in all levels of government. It's not just that they're going to go after anybody who believes in classical liberalism. They are going to use the full weight of the federal government to instill identitarianism, government based on race and identity. They're going to bring us back to the pre-civil rights era. This is what the leftists want. And boy, is it shocking to see Biden administration asking Americans to report their family. There it is. You know, are we frogs boiling in a pot? I think so. At what point do people say it's, it's crossed the line? Now, Tucker Carlson has an interesting theory, one that he's asserting as fact I don't completely agree with, but should be talked about anyway. On Tucker Carlson's show, he says FBI operatives were organizing the attack on the Capitol. Basically, what he's saying is that several of the people who were listed in the indictments are called unnamed co-conspirators. He says, if the FBI knows who they are, why aren't they being indicted as well? Well, clearly, they must be FBI agents, not necessarily uh, agents or operatives, maybe informants, or there could, be, there could be a lot of reasons. Maybe they're not informants. Maybe they just snitched. Maybe the FBI came to them and they said, I'll give you all the names of everybody in an, in, for an, some kind of immunity agreement. Regardless, though, Tucker Carlson believes that much of the organiz- organizing of January 6 came from federal agents. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the left has been saying that the entire time about their riots. And you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe the reason that so many Antifa who get caught burning down buildings or throwing Molotovs, the reason they get cut loose is because maybe they're working for the federal government. At the very least, maybe they're informants for the federal government. That's scary stuff, what we're seeing. We are seeing a government that wants you to snitch on your neighbors. We know where this goes. A few years ago, when I said we were headed towards some kind of civil war and people didn't believe me, and maybe many still don't, do you think when we're at the point where the federal government is saying, snitch on your own family members, that maybe we're getting to some really insane moment in history? Maybe they're right, though. Maybe there won't be a civil war because it's over already. The conflict is lost. Uh, We'll see how it plays out with the 2024 election. But why should I have any faith in this system at all? Joe Biden is... Seemingly out of his mind, seeming you know, he pulled out flashcards during his meeting with Putin. It's 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 bad. Here's a story from Breitbart. They say President Joe Biden's administration announced their plans to create ways for Americans to report radicalized friends and family to the government in an effort to fight domestic terror. In a conversation with reporters, one senior administration official explained the importance of stopping politically fueled violence before it started. We will work to improve public awareness of federal resources to address concerning or threatening behavior before violence occurs. The officials cited the Department of Homeland Security. If you see something, say something campaign to help stop radical Islamic terror as a domestic possibility. This involves creating contexts in which those who are family members or friends or co-workers know that there are pathways and avenues to raise concerns and seek help for those who they have perceived to be radicalizing and potentially radicalizing towards violence, the official said. Biden began his presidency with a stark warning in his inaugural speech about the rise in political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terror that we must confront and we will defeat. On June 1st, Biden described the threat from white supremacy as the most lethal threat to the homeland today. The Biden administration said it would, it would also work with large technology companies on increased information sharing to combat radicalization. Any any particular tech company often knows its own platform very well, the official noted. But the government sees things, actually threats of violence across platforms. They see the relationship between online recruitment, radicalization, and violence in the physical world. The Department of Homeland Security also plans to deploy digital literacy and digital fitness programs to help combat malicious content online that bad actors deliberately try to disseminate. The official reassured reporters that the administration's new strategies would remain laser-focused on stopping violent acts. This is a strategy that is agnostic as to political ideology or off the spectrum. The official said, what matters is when individuals take their political or rather grievances and uh, or, or or other grievances and turn that unacceptably unlawfully into violent action. The official added the Biden administration was taking the threat of domestic terror seriously and would redirect the focus of intelligence agencies on internal threats. We are investing many agencies of the government and resourcing them appropriately and asking our citizens to participate, because ultimately, this is really about homeland security being a responsibility of each citizen of our country to help us achieve. All right. Well, when you combine that with this, uh, this notion from Merrick Garland that white supremacy is the worst threat in this country, we know where, the, the, where they're aiming. See, right now, if you go back a, a, a few years, The left was screaming that white supremacy was taking over this country, that fascists were rising again. And that's just objectively false and makes absolutely no sense. Then you get now the AG coming out and saying basically the same thing, but it is just absolutely fake news. They push the fake news. The government adopts the fake news because when they tell the lie often enough, it becomes the truth. People believe it. It's like the left says they believe there is no truth but power. So without objective reality, without knowing what the actual problems are, they confuse, they manipulate. And then here you go. The problem is white supremacy. In this tweet from Kyle Becker, he shows A.G. Merrick Garland saying, in the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocate for the superiority of the white race. Kyle says there is literally no there are literally no credible statistics to back this up, and then he includes this chart. Here are the incidents listed for violent white supremacy attacks according to the Jigsaw Project. Project there are six such incidents in 2020 in a nation of 330 million people. What's missing? Zero incidents of far left uh, for far left, despite months of Antifa rioting and BLM rioting. And there you go. But something that we all. Uh, uh, have come to expect at this point. So how long until your friend or family member, maybe you've got a, a friend or family member, they're they're Biden supporters, and you try talking to them about reality. You try mentioning about anti-far Black Lives Matter riots, and they say, Oh no, oh no, he's saying the thing, he's saying the thing, and then they call the FBI. And the FBI comes and gives you a visit and says, What's this we hear about your opinions, sir? Now, of course, we have a First Amendment in this country, but it doesn't seem to matter at this point. The federal government has outsourced the censorship of political opinion to big tech companies. The Democrats are 100% on board with this. Okay, I should say 90% on board with it because there are some that understand the power, the, the importance of free speech, though I don't understand why they'd still remain Democrats. So this is what's going to happen. Your speech will be censored. It'll be censored by a private corporation. Your finances will be stripped from you. You will have no resources and it'll be done by private corporations. Hey, you know what? Republicans deserve some of this blame as well. But to be fair, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party today are not the exact same as they were five, 10 years ago. The Republican Party today is dramatically different. And the Democratic Party is pretty different, but only because neocons joined the Democrats when they realized Trump was taking over the Republican Party. But yeah, for the longest time, the Republicans and conservatives overlooked the problem that was massive multinational corporations. Now the federal government can utilize them to violate the Constitution. But hey, the government's not the one doing it. Here's the here's the story from Tucker Carlson. I'll give some pushback, but this is important. Daily Mail reports Tucker Carlson claimed Tuesday that the Capitol rioters who were named as unindicted co-conspirators in court documents were actually federal agents orchestrating the attack. Carlson on Tuesday night referenced a report in Revolver News, which looked into the indictments of the around 400 people charged over the January 6th unrest. More than 2000 criminal charges have been filed against 411 suspects, including hundreds of felonies such as assaulting officers and trespassing with a weapon. Carlson noted that many of the indictments mentioned unidentified co-conspirators. Without fail, the government has thrown the book at most people who were present and present and in the Capitol on January 6th. There was a nationwide dragnet to find them. Many of them are still in solitary confinement tonight. One man apparently appeared in court Having been tortured, brutally beaten, nobody cared. The judge didn't care. It's a dangerous time, my friends. You know, I, I, I think of that old poem, right? First they came for the socialists, you know, then they came for the trade unionists, they came for the teachers, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and eventually there was no one left to speak out for me. I don't actually care to defend in, in, in 99.99% of the circumstances anything having to do with a white supremacist. I think they're, they're deplorable people with deplorable opinions. They're awful people. However, that, point, that 0.01% is their right to free speech. Uh, making up everything about them, I don't care for. You know, But they have a right to speak. And I am worried, as I've stated before, I did an interview with uh, one of these with with, uh, Oliver Darcy of CNN now, who is just a propagandist, fake news. He pumps out lies. And I said that it was dangerous that big tech was censoring the alt-right because you go for someone's opinion. You go for one group. We've learned that lesson from history. It's only a matter of time before they go for the next group. And guess what? It's been true every step of the way. So right now, as the government goes after white supremacist extremists, Many of us will simply say, well, good, we don't want the violence. And to be fair, yeah, absolutely. If they're trying to stop the violence, then I actually am absolutely fine with this. If they're violent extremists in any way that want to hurt people, then sure, lock them up. But I don't believe the government's going to stop at that. I believe it's going to be like pre-crime. And I'm worried about this trend that we're seeing. What happens when they start? And let let me slow down. It's, the, it's, it's that white supremacy doesn't just mean you are a clan member. It could literally mean that you're a math teacher. No joke. You're a math teacher and you push back against critical race theory. So they say you are a white supremacist. You see where this goes. Eventually, they start saying that everybody is and they use it as justification for spying on people. Maybe you're a classical liberal of sorts. You believe in the, the vision of the founding fathers. Maybe you're a social liberal, someone who would have been a Democrat 10 years ago. and Now you're confused as to where your party is. Well, they'll say you're a white supremacist. Then because of this massive national dragnet, you will get the federal government, federal agents spying on you and looking for anything they can use against you because, well, now you're a white supremacist, right? They've changed the definition. People, a lot of people often say, look, if I don't if I don't do anything wrong, why, why should I be worried about this? Because everything you do is wrong. You realize that, right? Look at Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn the a former national security advisor to Trump
1: with lucky sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere
2: This is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky No no nothing like that It's just these cash prizes add up quick so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms
0: and conditions apply. See website for details. He was at an informal meeting at the White House, apparently just hanging out. And they asked him some questions, and he made he he made a misstatement. They said it was a lie. He said it was a misstatement, or whatever. Regardless, it wasn't a formal uh, meeting. He wasn't informed that he was being investigated, but as soon as he said something that wasn't true for whatever reason, they charged him criminally. They threatened his family. They said they'd go after his son. We are dealing with evil people. They are in our government. They are deeply entrenched, and it's only getting worse. I don't have the solutions. I think we absolutely have to, uh, I think first and foremost, I can't tell you this, building culture, which is why, again, timcast.com, we're expanding. uh, We're going to be writing news articles and, and producing content because we need to change hearts and minds. You win the people over, this stops immediately. As soon as people no longer have confidence in these systems. That's why the media is so important. That's why the lies are so important. Right now, there's an NBC News reporter claiming, and it's the, it's the most hilarious paradoxical garbage, that critical race theory isn't even being taught in schools. Like, why are conservatives even, even acting like critical race theory is in schools? In her story, she actually points to several dozen instances and over a hundred parent groups that are currently in disputes in schools over critical race theory. And she says, they're just making it up. That's right. That's the the brazen lie of the mainstream media, that you can have dozens of instances where the fight is literally happening and they say, no, no, it's not happening. Imagine the, the kind of deranged conspiracy theorist you'd have to be to look at 50 different schools where there's fights over getting rid of critical race theory. And then you're like, (laughs) but that's so dumb because critical race theory is not even happening. Hey, wait a minute. If there are 50 battles going on, maybe it's because it is happening. No, No, I'm sorry. All of these hundreds or thousands of parents who are concerned about this, they just watch Fox News and they're all confused now. That's what really happened. That makes the most amount of assumptions possible. The simple solution is just that parents saw something they didn't like and started complaining about it. How about that? That's what the media does. They propagandize and they lie. They'll claim these parents are white supremacists. And then what? How many more months, how many years until the FBI is, is targeting these individuals saying, well, they're, they're potential domestic extremists. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the, uh, the, 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 uh, the people who are their friends and family and they reported them. Let me, let me get back to Tucker Carlson things. I'm getting off track again, but I'll point out I certainly think so. It'll happen. Look, they banned Milo and Laura Loomer and Alex Jones and a bunch of other people because they know that these people support Trump. They know that these people are, are prominent figures who will rally people to vote for Trump, and they got rid of them. So what do you think they're going to start doing to Trump's actual voter base? I think they're going to go down the line. Thought leaders, they'll target thought leaders, people who are not necessarily prominent, high-profile individuals, local indiv- influence, uh, people of influence. Let's read more. Tucker Carlson mentioned, strangely, some of the key people participating in January 6th have not been charged. Carlson pointed to the case of Thomas Caldwell, a 66-year-old former naval officer who allegedly conspired with members of the Oath Keepers. Caldwell's charging documents say that he spent the night before the riot in the same hotel as Person 2. Another individual, Person 3, led Caldwell to believe there would be a quick reaction force participating in storming the, storming the Capitol. But wait, here's the interesting thing. Person two and person three were organizers of the riot. The government knows who they are, but the government has not charged them. Why is that? You know why. They were almost certainly working for the FBI. So FBI operatives were organizing the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, according to government documents. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to slow you down there, Tucker boy. Uh, uh, That's not what it says. And that's a big jump. You know why they were almost certainly working for the FBI. He then said, so FBI operatives were organizing. Well, we don't know that for sure, but I can tell you this. Tucker's logic is sound. Just clean up your language. If you have two people who lie to some random guy and convince him that something big is going to happen and he should act, and then they're not charged, they're working with the FBI. I think that absolutely makes sense. We don't know for sure, though. Maybe they're just, uh, uh, maybe they were Antifa. How about I say this? Why weren't they charged? Well, because they were Antifa trying to coax Trump supporters into conflict. And the Fed said, well, they weren't actually, you know, uh, part of the, the riot, so not going to be charged. They could, they could be informants regardless. It seems like they really were FBI agents. And Tucker Carlson is correct. I'm not a fan of the, defi- the, the, the definitive statement. But Carlson said that there were more than 20 unindicted co-conspirators mentioned in the Oathkeeper indictments all playing roles in the conspiracy who have not been charged for virtually the exact same activities. So I'll tell you this. When you see a post and someone says that there should be violence, that person's a Fed. It's very obvious because we are in fourth and fifth generational warfare. That's what I've been saying for some time. So I'll point this out too, over at Patriots.Win. It's really fascinating to see the comments about me when they call me names or insult me. I'm sure there are a lot of Trump supporters who hate me, but it's interesting that some of the criticism is that uh, I oppose violence. Yeah, that's right. They're probably feds. We are in fourth and fifth generational warfare. You do not win a battle by being by being violent. Antifa gets away with it because they control cultural institutions and the flow of information. That is a propaganda war. That is fourth and fifth generational warfare for people on the right, you so much as sneeze on a Capitol officer and they're going to scream insurrection. Strange. I assume most Trump supporters would know that. And that's why the strategy isn't working, doesn't work. And you can't you, you, you can't engage in these behaviors and anybody advocating for anything of the sort. They're uh, probably a fed. It's funny because people have said Tim says that, you know, the violence doesn't work, but then he tells people to stand up and fight back. What's he what's he trying to say here? Uh, clearly, I mean, figuratively fight back in terms of protest and boycotts and non-compliance, things like that, nonviolent civil disobedience. But more importantly, peaceful, resourceful, and persuasive. That's why we're building culture. That's why I'm building skate parks. That's why we're filming a vlog. We want people to have fun and be inspired, but move away from the indoctrination of propaganda and the mainstream media. Now I'll tell you about that strange dream I mentioned starting the the segment off. In this dream, there were basically uh, uh, federal agents putting pressure on people of influence and channels, insinuating that they were inciting violence or they were, uh, you know, the opinions they held were very clearly uh, incitements to violence and things like that. And uh, you forget dreams, kind of vague. But the general idea was the government decided to weed out anybody who dare oppose them. And so in their quest to shut down domestic extremists, they go to people of prominence and just say, you're not an extremist, are you? Because we'd have to come and seize all your computers and shut you down. Why don't you uh, say these things? Why don't you talk about this? You might not believe in you, you. You might agree that violence is wrong and won't solve the problem because they're waiting for that to remove people and activists and voters. I mean, think about it. You get a Trump supporter who says something dumb on the Internet, they'll arrest you in two seconds. It will not work when you are the resistance. You cannot be overtly calling for these things. And even these strategies just don't work because it smears the rest of, of, of the voter block. You need to be persuasive. You need to win the information war. That's what's happening. But I think about what's happening. Think about what, the, what, what Mark, Merrick Garland wants and what the FBI is, is, is doing, what Biden's administration is, is saying about snitching on your neighbor. They're going to come after people who are political influencers. It starts with private organizations. It starts with, you know, Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos. It starts with their companies. Eventually, it comes with lawsuits that are well-funded by powerful interests. And, oh, it's not the federal government. So, no, but it's massive power structures. Eventually, it will be the federal government. There were already reports that the FBI was looking into several prominent Trump supporters who were at the rally, not the riots. Because they're going to try to find a way. They don't want Trump to win in 2024. We've already seen they will do anything by any means necessary to stop Donald Trump. So what do you think happens when Biden screws everything up? Trump is going to come back out. Oh, I, they, they might arrest Trump. They're, they're, in New York, they're talking about indicting him. And they'll say, oh, you can't run for president. You're under an indictment or something. This is going to be, I think it's going to get bad, but we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Across the country, Republicans are winning key battles, getting critical race theory banned in many schools. Now, in Florida, we recently heard Ron DeSantis got critical race theory banned, although it wasn't specifically critical race theory. What they were saying was you can't teach certain things like some races are better than others or more privileged than others, certain things like that. Well, the left snapped. They said this is this is them trying to block the teaching of slavery, which is just not true. They're now trying to claim there's no critical race theory at all being taught in these schools. A new story from NBC News says we looked at all of this information and no one's teaching it. All right, I'll be fair. That's technically the truth, the best kind of the truth, by the way. It's not that they're teaching it. It's that they're indoctrinating kids with the core of this ideology, the tenets of this ideology. It's not like at the school, a teacher comes out and says, everybody open up your How to Be an Anti-Racist book by Ibram X. Kendi, and then discussing uh, the musings of Kimberly Crenshaw. No, this is teachers saying the things these people have claimed is true, and we're going to tell children, and we're not going to teach them the underlying theory, just the core tenets to indoctrinate them. I'll give you an example. From from timcast.com, that's right. We have news on our website right now. Check it out, become a member, help support our work. Massachusetts school system instructs students to report peers for any microaggressions like using the word crazy. That's right. A series of slides were leaked to the to the Daily Mail, and you can see that in the school system, yeah, they're not telling the people what the core theories are. They're just practically applying them. So how about we we call this applied critical theory instead of critical race theory? It's applied critical theory. Maybe that will help draw the distinction between those who are claiming no one's actually teaching this. Sure, they're applying its teachings straight into the system, into the minds of children. For TimCast.com, Cassandra writes, the Wellesley Public School System in Massachusetts is encouraging students, parents, and staff to anonymously report anyone who engages in microaggressions, like using the word crazy or mispronouncing a name. The school system's new policy for responding to incidents of bias or discrimination included a Google Doc where you can anonymously report people who offend you. The leaked slides of the policy were provided to the Daily Mail by an organization called Parents Defending Education, which they say fight against indoctrination in American classrooms and activist-driven agendas in schools. Examples of the things they want reported as microaggressions include assigning tasks that reinforce gender roles, mispronouncing names, or using the term China virus. But of course, we can have the UK variant, the India variant, the South Africa variant. That's fine, but not the China virus. The policy defines a bias incident as any biased conduct, speech or expression, That has an impact but may not involve criminal action, but demonstrates conscious or unconscious bias that targets individuals or groups that are part of a federally protected class, race, ethnicity, national origin, sex, gender identity, or expression, orientation, religion, and disability. The training slides also say to report people if they make rude jokes online. You know what? Some of these are so insane. Let Let me show you microaggressions in the, in the classroom, failing to learn or pronounce or continuing to mispronounce the names of students. Shove it. If I want to, if your name is Sam and I, and I call you Samantha, that's too bad. I can call you what I want to call you. That's just the way reality works. Scheduling tests and project due dates on religious or cultural holidays. So uh, who gets to define what's a religious or cultural holiday? If you are... Uh, um, a young person or know someone who's in school, I'd like to provide you with some resources. I hereby announce uh, several new holidays. What's today? It's a June 16th. June 17th. That's a holiday already. The federal government says Juneteenth is a, is a holiday. I think it's June 17th, right? So we're good there. Um, June, June 18th. Uh, oh, yes. June 18th is National um, Maple Tree Day uh maybe there's already a maple tree day it's 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 additional maple tree day it's a holiday for those who want to worship the earth and the bounty and then we have um so that's that's what the 18th and then we'll have the the 19th the 21st that's a holiday too that's that's a holiday uh, that's the um Jeep Grand Cherokee day yes that's when we celebrate the the gifts of uh motor vehicles and it's a holiday so you don't have to have homework you see the problem with this Who gets to determine what is a religious or cultural holiday? It makes no sense. Often what these ideas are are just attempts at breaking the system. But before I get into too much of the absurdity, I just want to point out. This is, once again, teaching children to snitch on their neighbors. That's what's creepy. If someone says something that violates the tenets of their religion, you have to snitch on them. Sound familiar? Now, we're not at that point yet where there's you know, federal police rounding up random people from their homes. But I'm not entirely convinced that we're that far away. Now, maybe it never happens. I don't know. Maybe it's just this is a gradual slow roll and authoritarian crackpots realize that if you start rounding people up too fast, then, you know, the system falls apart and they'll do it slowly over time. But my concern is when these kids get older and they're indoctrinated into this snitching on people, what do you think comes next? These people are being indoctrinated to be ideologue uh, zealots for the state. And it's worrisome because if you get enough young people to believe this insane psychobabble, then the Constitution will have no defense and it's already Swiss cheese. Back at TimCast.com, Cassandra writes, Parents Defending Education President and Founder Nicole Niley wrote an op-ed for In Real Clear Education about the policy on Monday. Creating the expectation that authority figures can or should adjudicate all interpersonal disputes isn't just denying children the opportunity to develop better interpersonal skills. It's also a slippery slope to big government, which by necessity must expand to fulfill this new role. The Daily Mail reports that, quote, potential discipline for students who violate this policy include detention, suspension, or other restorative, restorative responses that require them to acknowledge their responsibility and minimize its impact. Staff members who violate it would be subject to the disciplinary procedures of their bargaining unit, which might typically include a process of formal warnings and reprimands, suspension, or more serious consequences. Non-staff members of the community would be banned from school or campuses. This is just outright creepy stuff. I got to be honest. Here's, an, here's another one. Um, what is a bias incident? You know, anything we, we, we mentioned this. Okay, okay. Here are some examples of equity violations. Adam is in the high school cafeteria and jokingly turns to a friend and says, I can say N-word because my friend Bernice gave me a pass. Well, I mean, he's got a pass. Could you imagine being a young kid, knowing the word is taboo and making a joke, and and then the school yelling at you? Several students post a YouTube video making fun of Carmen's accent. Carmen was born in the Dominican Republic. I don't like making fun of people, but... People need to figure, these kids need to figure out how to solve these problems for themselves. David's classmate, Ernest, called David an anti-gay slur three times in the last two weeks. Also, I'm not a fan of just generally being mean and bullying people, but people, bad people exist, and you got to solve for these problems. Now, now I just showed you a story, slides, actual evidence. This comes from a school, it's coming from the Daily Mail reporting, TimCast.com reporting. We can see they are teaching these kids about these core ideologies. They are indoctrinating them. They're not explaining to them where the ideas come from. They're telling them it's fact and to obey. And what do you get from NBC News? As we can see over at our ground.news bias chart, this story is only being carried by the left and the center. Why? Well, it may be that the story is lies from duplicitous manipulative scumbags. Critical race theory battle invades school boards with help from conservative groups. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And in towns nationwide, well-connected conservative activists and Fox News have ramped up the tension in fights over race and equity in schools. Oh, I can just already hear the lies pouring out from, oh, what's this? Ben Collins. There's a guy who just makes stuff up. Brandy Zadrozny. Amazing. A booby-trapped billboard, a list of demands, a conservative media frenzy. And l- l- let, me, let me just stress for the litigious. It is, in my opinion, that Ben Collins and Brandy and Tyler K- Kincaid have made things up. Let me just read you this story. A booby-trapped billboard, a list of demands, a conservative media frenzy. Jeff Porter, a superintendent of a wealthy suburban school district in Maine, had no idea that his community was about to become part of a national battle when in the summer of 2020, a father began accusing the district of trying to indoctrinate his children by teaching critical race theory. To Porter, the issue was straightforward. The district had denounced white supremacy in the wake of George Floyd's murder, but did not teach critical race theory, the academic study of racism's pervasive impact. Ah, there we go. You see how they lie? Now, as we've already seen from one other school district, maybe this one in particular is is different, but I want to point out what they do. When a teacher says white privilege is real and whiteness is property, that's teaching the ideology of critical race theory. What the NBC News claims is that if they're not coming out and saying, according to Ibram X, Kendi, he believes X, that would be teaching the theory. This is applying the theory. Maybe that would be an important distinction, but you see how they try and manipulate the parent. But the parent, Sean McBeardy, grew increasingly disgruntled and soon connected with no left turn in education a rapidly growing national group that supports parents as they fight against lessons on systemic racism. That action turned a heated conflict with the school board into one that soon drew national attention, mobilized by a new, increasingly coordinated movement with the backing of major conservative organizations and media outlets. It's a movement that has amped up grassroots parental organizing around the country, bringing the lens and stakes of national politics, they say, along with the GOP activists, to school boards. Quote, I was very naive at the beginning of the year, Porter said. I thought I was a concerned parent who had taken it a little too far. I didn't understand this until recently, but these were tactics from national organizations to discredit the entire district. McBeardy became Maine's chapter leader for no left turn last summer. He has since put up a billboard size sign of, of a school board member's face on his lung and said it was surrounded by rat traps to prevent theft. This is a war with the left, McBeardy said in an email to NBC News. And in war, tactics and strategy can become blurry. The fight has only escalated and it shows no sign of slowing. Conflicts like this are playing out in cities and towns across the country, amid the rise of at least 165 local and national groups that aim to disrupt lessons on race and gender, according to an NBC News analysis of media reports and organizations' promotional materials. Reinforced by conservative think tanks, law firms, and activist parents, these groups have found allies in families frustrated over COVID-19 restrictions in schools and have weaponized the right's opposition to critical race theory, turning it into a political rallying point. While the efforts vary, they share strategies of disruption, publicity, and mobilization. The groups swarm school board meetings, inundate districts with time-consuming public record requests, and file lawsuits and federal complaints alleging discrimination against white students. They have become media darlings in conservative circles and made the debate over critical race theory a national issue. Virtually all school districts insist they are not teaching critical race theory, but many activists and parents have begun using it as a catch-all term to refer to what schools often call equity programs, teaching about racism or LGBTQ inclusive policies. They say conservative activists are setting their sights on ousting as many school board members as they can. Let Let me point something out to everybody. I've already shown you the slides. They're absolutely teaching the core tenets of critical race theory. But I am extremely frustrated with the right and their obsession with the phrase critical race theory. Because while it is the underlying theory by which we get wokeness, it, it it's it's it, you, you are seeding ground to the left using their language that they can easily dismiss and write trash fake news like this. That's why I say wokeness. They call it equity programs. Critical race theory isn't so much being taught in terms of the academic theory. And that's the manipulation they use and they get away with it. If parents were saying they... That, It's really, really simple. You go to a school board meeting and you say the teachers a racist. If the teacher says white students do this, white students do that, white students have this or this and must must act this way. You need only go and say the teacher made racist comments, fire them. And when they say, what are the racist comments? I "I will not repeat your racist garbage here in front of all these people. You want me to say these words? Disgusting. Are you a racist? You see what the left does? They don't come out and say, the classical liberals, there's classical liberalism and, and, and they were teaching my kid Locke. They don't do that. They don't go in the school, they, the, 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 the woke, don't go to school board meetings and complain about John Locke. They don't go to the, 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 these, these meetings and complain about the founding fathers. They come and they say, you're racist. Guess what? The law says you can't do that. So when conservatives come out and they're like, mm-hmm, a critical race theory, then they just go, oh, we don't actually teach anything from these authors. Ibram X. Kendi, we don't, we don't do that in the school. Uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, Derek Bell, um, they're not in this school at all. Have a nice day. Done. That's the problem. What conservatives need to do, if a teacher says a racism, you go to the school board and say, my son came home angry and frustrated because the teacher made a bunch of racist comments. And then all these other parents who have other students, guess what? They can all say the same thing. All of our students, all of our children are complaining. These teachers are racist and making racist comments. And it's very, very simple. When they say, what are the racist comments? You need only say, I will not be forced to speak those words from a racist like you. You have multiple complaints and we are going to the board demanding the removal of a racist teacher. By their own tenets, they must be removed. Now, of course, you can always just say they made a bunch of disparaging comments about people based on their race and implied some races are better than others. And I will not stand for this. I'm frustrated by the critical race theory uh, uh, terminology because I think ultimately what happens is it is the left's language and they have very specific pit traps and now conservatives have fallen into it. Now, instead of just saying wokeness, because that's what I say, or equity programs, which is what the left says, I won't use their language, the right is saying critical race theory over and over again. And instead of actually understanding what that means, the left just assures. So I'll put it this way. You go to a regular person walking down the street, and you say, hey, did you know they're teaching critical race theory in our grade schools? And the person goes, what's critical race theory? And then you say, it's a it's this racist identitarian ideology. And they go. I don't know what that means. And then the left goes, we're just it just means we're teaching the theory of race and law and slavery. And they go, huh? with the lucky land sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See
0: website for details. Well, that sounds fine to me because the left uses semantics. We're anti-racists. That means we must discriminate. So, so, so Ibram X. Kendi says based on race. How is that anti-racist? Call it what it is. They're racists. If they make racist comments about white people, they're racist comments. The law says. uh, Let's go back to the Massachusetts thing right here. Let's 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 see. What what do we got here? A bias-based incident is any conduct, speech, or expression that has an impact, but may not involve criminal action, but demonstrates a conscious or unconscious bias that targets an individual or group that are part of a federally federally protected class. Guess what? That includes white people. So. Hey, guess what, Massachusetts? If your teacher says white privilege, go, "Eh, that is a bias incident. I'm reporting you. You just said a certain race, which is a protected class, it does a thing. That's against the rules. It 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 is the use of the left's language that is allowing them to gain ground. It is already against the law to discriminate on the basis of race. Stop calling it something else and just say it's a straight up civil rights violation to say what you're saying in these schools. It's frustrating, man. But I was reading an interesting article, and I'll tell you where the snitching, where I think it brings us. You got to push back. You absolutely have to push back. You can't let them just get away with being racists. You see the tactics they use. It's not even about fighting fire with fire. It's about quite literally what they're saying is a violation of the law. Just start applying the law. Report them for being racist. Go to the superintendent of the school if you have to file a lawsuit against the school for being racist when they start doing this woke, privilege garbage stuff. Spying on family and friends, Holocaust and human behavior. It's a really interesting story. Um, I'm I'm reading this and it's talking about when people start snitching on their neighbors. And there's this this story right here. This guy, um, let let me give Alphonse Heck, a member of the Hitler Youth recalled the effects of the law. The law that stated anybody, it was was illegal to insult the party. In 1938, he was living with his grandparents when his father came to visit. He said, in retrospect, I think it was the last time my father railed against the regime in front of me. He wasn't much of a drinker, but when he had few too many he had a tendency to shout down everyone else, not a small feat among the men of my family. You mark my words, mother. The goddamn Austrian house painter is going to kill us all before he's through conquering the world. And then his baleful eye fell on me they're going to bear, bury you in this goddamn monkey suit the hitler youth uniform he chuckled but that was too much for my grandmother why don't you leave him alone you stupid fool and watch your mouth you want to end up in a concentration camp he laughed bitterly and added so it has come to that far, so it has come that far already your own son turning you in my grandmother told me to leave the kitchen but the last thing i heard was my father's sarcastic voice are you people all blind this thing with the jews is just the beginning It sounds so familiar. Are you all blind? This thing with indoctrinating children, this thing with telling people certain races are inherently better off. Creepy, racist, wrong. Do you think it just ends here when these children are indoctrinated to these ideas? Now I'll tell you what's truly, truly the best. One of the reporters in that NBC News piece, Brandy Zadrozny, implying that they're not actually teaching critical race theory. I said, imagine being so indoctrinated in a cult that there can be dozens of fights at schools with parents angry over critical race theory, and you think it's not being taught there. Brandy is a conspiracy theorist. That's right. The least amount of assumptions we can make. If there's 165 groups fighting against critical race theory, well, the simple solution is schools are teaching critical race theory, notably it's tenets, like I said, but things also like 1619 Project, which isn't inherently part of the critical race theory academia, but that's the manipulation they use. They say, oh, 1619 isn't actually a part of critical race theory. Shut up. Yeah, it is. We know what they're doing. They're using a faux academic theory to claim science is on their side or sociology is on their side. They're lying. But imagine this. 165 people come out, not even that, more than that, there's these are groups and they're like, hey, a building's on fire. And you go, the build, the building manager insists to me the building is not on fire. Oh, well, why are so many people coming out and saying it? So many people coming out and saying it is not definitive proof, but it's certainly indicative of something happening. If you have that many people, groups, I should say, because maybe it's five person per group. What are we dealing with? A thousand plus people. If they're coming out and saying outright, we are experiencing this in our schools, perhaps then you might consider that with one hundred and sixty five organizations and then like the principals of these schools, you got more witnesses on one side. Stop being a conspiracy theorist and just take a look at what they're saying. And there you go. Do some investigations, why don't you? But they just take the schools at their word. More importantly, I'll go back to what I was saying. The use of the phrase "critical race theory" is good for the left, and I am sick of people of conservatives using the left's language and fighting on their battlefields. Let me explain to you what's happening. Schools are being in, are being are being filled to the brim with racists, overt white supremacist ideology from people like Robin DiAngelo, who is an admitted racist, Ibram X Kendi, an admitted racist by his own admission. He's a racist. And people won't come out and just say, why are all of these racists in our schools? Instead, they say, mm, critical race theory. And then regular people struggle to understand what you're saying because you have entered the battlefield on the left's turf. You are giving them the home field advantage. Just call them racist. Call them. There you go. You call them racists. That's it. Don't don't use their terms. When Antifa sets up an autonomous zone, call it a no go zone. Stop using their terms. When you talk to your friend, you see you don't you don't say, Did you hear about critical race theory in the schools? Don't say that. They'll say, What's that? You say, Did you hear about all these racist white supremacist teachers like teaching kids that like white people are inherently better off? They'll go, Whoa, that's bad. Yeah, it is. They'll be like, I didn't hear that. Yeah, here, look at this. Look at what what this one teacher said. Whoa. Racism is bad. Yeah. I think these kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna be insane and they're going to start snitching on people. They're going to form uh, uh, creepy groups, and we're going to have a moral authoritarianism, the likes of which you will, uh, you, you will have never seen, and which you will hope didn't happen. But we'll, 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 do, the, we'll do our best to spread the word and push back. It's the best I can say. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.